0: Malcolm Honline, is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh,
1: Good morning,
0: Wouldn't you say it's a good idea to celebrate with our children and grandchildren in Manhattan this coming Sunday?
1: I don't know how anybody could think otherwise. When you consider what's been going on the last few weeks, when you see the total distortion and misrepresentation of Israel in the media, that this is an opportunity to counter the negative voices, uh, to to assert the truth about the strength of the U.S.-Israel relationship after the opening of the embassy, after so many positive things, to make their voices heard. Everybody keeps asking, what can we do? Well, here's the answer. Show up how easy is that just show up be there stand on the sidewalk cheer the young people and the others marching and the many uh, floats and the visual displays i mean this is such an easy way to do it and it doesn't cost them anything maybe they have to park a car but beyond that it doesn't cost them anything to come out show the people of israel that we care and that we're with them that 100 missiles come over this is uh, an opportune time to, to show the administration our appreciation for the good things and how strong the U.S.-Israel relationship is.
0: All right, now you got me revved up. Number one, uh, there are people in Israel, people in Israel, mainstream people in Israel. I'm talking about you know people like us in Israel um, who cannot believe that schools do not close and that every single type of Jew is not on Fifth Avenue on Sunday. Just so people have a wake up call, they understand that there are people around the world, especially in Israel, who cannot believe that there is an opportunity to do this, and there are certain people who don't do it. That's number one. Number two, and you know how I, you know, carefully dance around this subject, but 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 you you will hopefully be a bit stronger about this as you dance around it. The, the, the there are there are groups on Sunday, that in the tens of thousands. Yes, in the tens of thousands in our area. That are planning gatherings that, at the minimum, because I believe there's other agendas as well, at the minimum, uh, express disappointment with the government of the state of Israel. And I believe, and I think you agree, you know, if one would do this as a Jewish leader in their own synagogue, in their own, you know, organizational setting, etc., that's one thing. But in a but in a major arena to go ahead and 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 put together a. Uh, a, a meeting like that a gathering like that it, it, is, uh, is uh, at the very least unrecommended you agree
1: uh, and that's uh, it's such a minimal statement uh, i ah. think that it's <laughs> disgraceful that uh, an event like this could take place especially given what what was witnessed and the the uh, feeding frenzy in the media, and we'll just, uh, we'll get to talk about yep. some of the distortions and misrepresentations, but but the reality of what what really is going on, and that the that uh, uh, you know there is no way you can do repentance or tshuva for Lush and hara speaking evil against Israel because you can't undo it. There's no way once it's out, it's there, and the, and clearly the media will love the picture of what they consider religious Jews, yeah. um, by, by virtue of garb and nothing else, uh, and to, to speaking out and demonstrating, and maybe there you can have legitimate issues and disagreements with the government of Israel or the government of the United States, But the question is, how do you give expression to it? And I think that those who are upset about it, instead of grousing about it, find ways to to give tangible expression to their concerns. And, uh, you know, you see how the United States government's acting against Iran and others with sanctions with other things. Community has to consider that as well.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I would bet your office and you specifically have been approached many times uh, by by people similar to, with similar backgrounds as the ones I'm I'm referring to here in this conversation, with concerns who handle things properly and ask you to intervene or ask you to you know to to help adjust things a certain way, and that would be the proper way to go about it.
1: Anyway, well, there are many proper ways to go about it as yes, people just to say that they don't associate with it they don't support it that it's a particular group but not to but but when you see a large turnout and they can manufacture a turnout instantly um, that the you know the message that the larger community gets, and whether it comes from the extreme left or it comes from any other extremist group, you know, when when um, the Jews for Justice in Palestine or whatever groups they are, they they represent a mute a small percentage, but they are very visible, and they get their presence gets exploited, and by the those who do not have their interests at heart, do not have the Jewish people, certainly not the State of Israel, or even America's interests at heart. Yeah.
0: All right, bottom line, everybody, celebrate Israel. We spend enough time not celebrating, and we spend enough time mourning different things uh, in our worldwide community. Let's celebrate Israel together on Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday and demonstrate to our children and grandchildren why it's important. And there will be people coming in from Israel who happen to be here. Uh, They didn't come in special for the parade, but happen to be here who will be attending, and they will be shocked at how many people from our community right here in the immediate area are not there. An absolute shocker. And I think our rabbinic leaders should uh, should heed those word, words carefully and to think about whether they should add um, uh, the parade information to their announcements this coming Shabbat. Um, all right, we'll, we'll get to Gaza in a moment, because I know that th- that's the most pressing issue in terms of what our listeners want to hear regarding whether this is a ceasefire or not. But I just got to start with this, Malcolm. Do you know who the... The new which country is now the head of the UN-backed conference on disarmament? Uh, could be Iran. It's Syria. Can you imagine? Is some alphabetical rotation that takes place? But how absurd is this that they would be that <laughs> they would direct a conference on disarmament?
1: Um. Well, th- who has more experience than Syria? in seeing the price for uh, non-disarmament and the um, uh, the absurdities at the United Nations are so great and so many. When you look at the Human Rights Council, you look at uh, other entities, when you see Iran, Sudan, uh, Syria, Libya sitting in judgment of Israel. The
0: Kuwait resolution
1: this week. And now we have a Kuwaiti resolution uh, against Israel. And thank God the United States has been standing up against all of these hypocrisies, as they called it, and all of this—this is—it's—it's it's so ludicrous, and that even UN officials uh, come out and criticize. And I have to say, the UN representative in Israel, uh, Miladinov, uh, did criticize the attacks, the, the missile attacks against Israel, and he's been, um, you know, fairly balanced in, in his remarks. But the overall tendency to the United Nations, you know, they're just people, good people, just throw up their hands and say, this is ridiculous. There's no there's no way to counter it because of the automatic majority. And what we can do is whittle away at it. But the absurdities like this, and, and there are so many of them, and some of them automatic and some of them, you know, uh, manufactured, uh, the fact that Israel had a withdrawal from the race for a Security Council seat. Uh, also reflects the, that the ongoing bias and discrimination.
0: Plus, we should mention, as you always do, Nikki Haley is amazing, and her statements are powerful and incredible. And it's it's really it's really wonderful to have someone like
1: that representing the United States in the United Nations. She's amazing. Every speech, every uh, the, her willingness to stand up and even to walk out sometimes on on um, Palestinian speakers who say outrageous things. It, it um, uh, I think that there are. Are there uh, are positive signs at the UN? I know I speak to many UN ambassadors. Uh, they're getting fed up with it. Some of the Europeans have, uh, at times, uh, Poland, other countries have, have spoken up. Uh, the Romanians, Bulgarians, uh, who have uh, spoken up, and that the margins in UN votes have diminished. At the time.
0: Part of her remarks: It is outrageous for the Security Council to fail to condemn Hamas rocket attacks against Israeli civilians, while the Human Rights Council approves sending a team to investigate Israeli actions taken in self-defense. There was at least one day where there was a tr- where there were a tremendous number of rockets fired at Israel. It seems that there's some type of ceasefire. What does that mean? It means Hamas decided to be quiet today. What's the uh, update from
1: uh, uh, from the uh, the Gaza border? So. Uh well, first of all, there were still uh, many kites flown across the border. Including so I don't today? Know if, you know, that counts as a ceasefire, but people right. should know that they have done millions of dollars of damage. You know, there are sort of floating Molotov cocktails that set fire to fields, that set fire to uh, uh, buildings and to uh, manufacturing sites. Uh, so th- those have continued, but the but the rocket fire... Which Hamas says is coming from Palestinian Islamic Jihad, so of others, but Israel holds them as the party in charge, responsible for what what's happened, and they certainly set the, lit the fuses with their uh, manufactured demonstrations uh, of uh, of the last uh, month or more, and the um, the ceasefire really is a result of of Israel's very effective response, where they hit 62 sites and then. The next day, hit another two uh, military sites. And, Nahum, did you notice there was not a single report of a casualty? <laughs> oh, not yeah. a person being wounded, yeah. not a person being killed. How did
0: the Israelis do that?
1: 62 strikes in in the, quote, most densely populated place, including the ports, hitting naval sites, hitting uh, uh, a new tunnel that they're building under Karen Shalom. From They went into Egypt. All the way around, and we're coming back into Israel. And uh, and obviously, I've been working on this for some time. But here you have the humanitarian crossing, and they they use it as to, to exploit it to use to build a tunnel. But many other sites, and no collateral damage, as they call it, meaning damage not intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, But even Hamas never said anybody was killed or anybody was wounded. You know that they run to the pictures and often manufacturing the the results. That's how precise this response was, and how Israel has um, uh, how hard they've worked to make sure that they would be uh, that, that there would be no civilian casualties. So this is this is one. Two that. The attacks along the border continued, but they're in isolated areas where there's no civilian population. So the emphasis by the IDF has been on those areas that are in striking distance of civilian populations. And there were many attempts to cross the border to be able to capture people. And we know from the not only the Hamas statements and from the um, uh, reports, their own admissions that 50 of the 62 killed that they were were Hamas and overall probably 80 percent of those killed, that they were dressing Hamas operatives in civilian clothes, that it was an organized thing to put demonstrators and rioters and behind them the shooters, and that Israel snipers took them out without hurting others, that Clearly, uh, there were uh, some people who were hit, but that's because they used them as as fodder. Because this is really a PR battle, not a military battle. And in that regard, one has to say that they that they scored because of the way the media continues to say. I, I, I mean, I hear on NPR and others, you know, a hundred Palestinians killed without any context, any reference, nothing to what what was going on. I mean, what what country in the world would have allowed? Terrorists just cut through the the barbed wire and to and, and place IEDs, you know, explosive devices, and there were uh, multiple attempts to to do so, and to um, and to capture civilians, not just the um, military targets. So, again, it emphasizes why it's important for us to speak up on Sunday and all the time to counter these. Uh, uh, these moves, and and the you know, and we're seeing changes. We're seeing where uh, others are are holding uh, Hamas. The people are holding them to account because one of the rockets they fired severed the the uh, electrical lines, the, that and so Gaza went dark again because of them. That they blew up the the pipes that were uh, bringing gas and, uh, and fuel for them, and uh, the, the the ongoing uh, uh, ludicrousness of some of the actions uh, that they have taken. So, And now we have another flotilla coming. We're going to have other opportunities for them. So we should not get lulled into any sort of uh, false sense of confidence because of the ceasefire. Where is the flotilla coming from? It left from uh, uh, Denmark and then from gotten in Germany and other places and supposedly going to come three, four ships already.
0: Same thing. Um,
1: they the did a reverse one where they try to go from Gaza out and Israeli Navy really effectively and learning from the past uh, effectively stopped it without casualties. Again, you don't read that. And the U.S. and others praised Israel for the way it hand, the Navy for the way it handled um, uh, this attempt to to and, and remember this is a legal blockade, ruled legal by the courts, and that this is an international effort to violate that, that uh, blockade and to provoke and Israel demonstrating amazing restraint trying to avoid civilian casualties has uh, and and we have to remember that the iron dome was extremely effective in countering a lot of the missiles you know you, it was meant for much bigger payloads, and, and distances, they have obviously uh, come to uh, with some technological uh, improvements that enable it to take out these lower-range mortars and missiles. Hmm.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web and NahumSiegel.com on the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Speaking of listeners sponsored, if you had, did not have an opportunity last week to help us during our spring fundraiser, the website is fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Please be as generous as possible. Well, Malcolm, you know what everyone's concerned about, and this is everyone around the world, uh, those who care about Israel, and that is what this all means along that border. It's the, the hottest action. It was described as the hottest action there since 2014. That, of course, was the summer of the war. Uh, we, we, we. I'm sure Israel's on guard for the possibility of a of a repeat of what happened that summer. And I do. I know you also don't like to predict things. Uh, but now it's June, and it always seems this time of year is 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 a a time of convenience for the enemy. Is it possible that things could get even more dicey along the Gaza border in the next
1: couple of weeks? It's likely that the, I think the ceasefire will hold because they know the people in Gaza assess this and say, "What did we get for this?" What do we get for those who... who, who uh, but they always, the, but they always in, in ask consults. that. But they always ask that of and, their leaders. And Right, but Hamas uh, you know, m- may have pictured a different outcome, thought they would be able to capture, or they needed victory. They proclaim victory no matter what. This mm-hmm. is their style, Hezbollah, too, that even while they're being defeated, they will then issue statements and declare victory, and in the controlled press, they can uh, try and get that message. But the people, uh, by and large... Uh, see through it. So uh, Hamas likes to fight during the summer. So uh, the the possibility, the potential for them to rev things up is is, uh, certainly there. And a lot will depend on what Iran wants. If Iran wants to heat things up, if they want a diversion, if they want to create more instability unrest, than we're likely to see it. When you see the foreign minister, Mr. Zarif, who negotiated so much with Secretary Kerry and embraced and uh, all those love pictures, was seen in his own film yelling death to the U.S., death to the U.K., and death to Israel. And so, the, for, for a government that whose whose goal is clearly expressed in that statement, <laughs> and people should not take it as less than than uh, their intent. Uh, understand what what this is uh, about, and and the, and of course, you have Hezbollah in the north. Uh, obviously, right now, it does not look like they want to escalate a conflict and and pay the price. Israel's demonstrations, both in Syria and in Gaza, of its capacity and capabilities. Uh, I think, have put them all uh, on notice. And by the way, if you didn't see the story, people should look at it about Nasrallah, that his wealth was estimated at $250 million net wealth. But it comes from drugs. And the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency has been investigating Hezbollah as one of the world's largest drug cartels so you know, people who who you know say to me about it. You know, look look at his comments. He comes across as a moderate, uh, <laughs> right? And uh, and the same thing we see over and over again that where you act with strength and determination, these guys will back down. We see it now on the on the sanctions regime with with. Um, with Iran. But I'll, I'll tell you another example. Remember all the predictions about what would happen if America opened the embassy? Et yeah, it's we true. see that the Czechs now opened a consulate in in right. uh, Jerusalem. But, today, but this year, the Russian embassy is hosting its National Day Party in Jerusalem. It's West Jerusalem, but it's Jerusalem in the Russian compound, which Israel gave to Russia about 10 years ago in a goodwill gesture, the place in, in the center of Jerusalem. Very and symbolic. They've been inviting the guests to a, a reception, I think it's June 14th, uh, and I think it's, it's really uh, you know, another statement that people sh- should recognize. Now, also in regard to Russia, we saw that Luke Oil, which is Russia's second biggest oil producer, said that it has decided not to go ahead with plans to develop projects in Iran and because of the threat of us uh, sanctions and they've been in talks with iran about development of uh, some very um, significant uh, oil fields when um, when total from france uh, pulled out when uh, and announced that it wasn't going ahead with some of its um, um, major projects when we see the uh, indian one of the biggest firms in India announcing that it is uh, uh, pulling out. When uh, the in a parliamentary meeting, they uh, indicated that in the three mo- in the year uh, two years from March 16th to March uh, March March 16 to March 18, 59 billion dollars flowed out of Iran, but 13 billion just in the last three months. So you see the massive decline in their currency reserves, in the value of the rial, because they stood up. Students met with the supreme leader this week, were harshly critical, talked about human rights violations, talked about fabricated security cases, talked about the environmental crisis, because Iran has a huge water drought. Uh, wildlife is dying. People don't. River beds are drying up. And, of course, they can't take advantage of uh, Western technology uh, w- w- with this. And the, the um, protests against this are, are increasing as well. I can give you a dozen more examples of the things that have taken place and are taking place. The, the Syrian Air Force barred Iran from using its bases to store uh, ammunition and to host fighters this was reported in, in, uh, in Zaman al Wasi, which is a major Syrian opposition uh, uh, newspaper, and that came after the Israeli attacks. The common message of all of this is that when you stand consistent and your statements are clear and the uh, increasing sanctions that the U.S. is placing on those who supported the, even the uh, Houthis in Yemen. And um, and there's evidence that came from the United Nations uh, about it, and that the the um, the clear messages they sent Syria about violations of the of the ceasefire, when all of these countries, uh, global insurers, are t- telling, uh, uh, warning, people about especially uh, shipping businesses to stop, and they are stopping to take new orders. So these things will have an immense cumulative effect on Iran's economy, which is very shaky, and while they can probably survive at the cost to, to, because they don't care what happens to the people, these are really dramatic and remarkable results of a consistent policy on sanctions, and we have to see more of them. And this will do more to impact uh, Iran and all the declarations and all of the, you know, niceties that even the Europeans now who said, if you remember, we talked about it when they said that they would back European companies that, buy, that go against the U.S. sanctions, they backed off of it. What,
0: what are the other names, you know, besides Luke Oil? What are the other major companies?
1: I said that India's reliance-defining right. uh, right. company, Total.
0: And any uh, American company that we would uh, be familiar well, with? Well, they're not
1: doing business with right. They would never have started. Well, Boeing is has started up. Uh, right, I think that was deal, the one you mentioned last week. That will be on hold. Right. Uh, the, um, um, and, and we saw the Treasury Department that went after uh, various uh, violators of human rights in Iran and, and – uh, uh, even the uh, Ansar al Hezbollah organization, an OFAC-designated entity, is uh, operating uh, uh, information communications technology that they said was used to monitor uh, human rights uh, people and violations of human rights. So th- there's a whole array of of, uh, of these things. And, and the guy that they brought back to head their water or be the supposedly deputy minister, he was a Western-educated expert. Who resigned a month ago because of of spurious charges against him now he's been arrested interrogated because he was dealing with uh, what is essentially a, a brain drought and a water drought uh from in, in Iran and spoke some truths about the, what was going on this is the, the, there are so many opportunities can be exploited if we have a consistent policy and if the Europeans would come along and and Go along with the, instead of always trying to to appease and to, you know, think that they will benefit and that they will get the contracts. China and Russia are are going into Iran, trying to get uh, the contracts, but it's going to come to naught. Because there's the infrastructure is, is so shaky and, you know, nobody's going to insure it. So if these governments decide that they want to and because they want to exploit oil and energy primarily uh, and, hope, and hope that afterwards that they will be there in position to benefit from contracts, uh, I think that they're wrong.
0: Mm. Um, you heard about this uh, actor who died in Iran and his death led to a lot of protests against the government.
1: Yeah, he, he is somebody who was uh, one of the most famous actors, but he's been barred, I think, for thirty years from performing. He, he was in his eighties, and there had been a movement to try and and repeated efforts by the cultural elite there to to break the the ban on him, but didn't work.
0: Interesting. So around the time of the revolution, I guess, is when he, uh, or shor- shortly after that. Post-revolution. Yeah, post-revolution, he ended up being, uh, and so because of his, his because, right, because of his personal situation, it led the protests. Happen. My point is, and I said this to you last week, that, um, and and you actually reiterated it, because I didn't make the point strong enough, that the, uh, uh, we don't hear about this. We don't hear in, or, and we don't see on TV, any of these protests that go on in their anti-government. Uh, and that showed dissension among the people. They have simply no more patience or tolerance for what's going on there. And as but you as you described, the economy there continues to go in the tank. And uh and that, you know, it it, it gives an impetus for people to hit the streets even more.
1: This week the vote, the um Teamsters came out in a in an amazing statement supporting the truck drivers. I think there are three hundred thousand trucks and, and drivers in iran um 80 percent of the trucks are in private hands for a week they have been on strike because they got no increases the price of fuel going up They 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 can't make a living they went out on strike and nobody paid attention to it and we brought it to the attention of of the teamsters and others and saying why aren't you standing with your brothers there they're putting their lives on the line essentially yeah and, and it's not the only strike. The students, others, the strikes go on all the time. And their frustration, is not with their government, but with the failure of the media in the West to pay any attention to this.
0: Unbelievable. By the way, you saw the story that um, the Prime Minister, I mean, the story was a little bit backwards in terms of my point, because the Prime Minister Netanyahu was discovered, uh, one of the, I think it was a Mossad head, right, who said that uh, he had asked for uh, um, a bug to be placed on the Mossad uh, on the Mossad chief because of the uh the the alert that he had put israel's military uh on to attack Iran in other words, my point is that they the, deny it He denies it but for those of us and I don't know to what degree you're willing to to you know uh, agree with me for those of us who believe that there really was never a realistic possibility that Israel would attack Iran. Every time one of these stories comes out, I think it shows us just the opposite, that Israel was really close to pulling the trigger.
1: Look, this this is such a sensitive area, and we don't know the truth about what messages Israel has sent by penetrating Iranian airspace, let's say, by the, the raid in in uh, inside Tehran, which has you know been uh, lost the, the day after the story broke but the you know it still was a daring and amazing achievement yeah uh, but by the way that story is being denied uh, the supposed target of that uh, that order and they said that he never had the order to to do it
0: is assad telling the truth that there's no iranian troops in syria at the moment
1: well, Iran never really sent large numbers of troops, but they have 60 to 80,000 militia there. They have uh, IRGC leaders who come as advisors or whatever. Uh, Iran never wanted Iranians to die because the reaction back home is terrible to it. So they have been letting Afghanis and Iraqis and Shiites from other places come as they've done the population exchange. And one of the things is that, and we've talked about this for years already, that they're planning for the future. So they're saying if all foreign troops pull out, And and Russia, as you see, has been working to to counter uh, growing Iranian influence. They will be in a position still to play a critical role because they have brought in hundreds of thousands of Shiites. The Sunni population has been expelled from uh, many areas, and uh, they have Hezbollah there to operate as a terrorist entity in Syria, not just against Israel. Mm So they have uh, all, all these capacities there. So the number of troops may be uh, misleading and 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 um, intentionally misleading. Right.
0: When Assad says there's no troops here, he's saying that literally. <laughs> there's a presence, but it's not, maybe maybe not in the form of actual troops, right?
1: And and you, you know the the Israelis and Russia have been cooperating and trying to define, you know, what, what will happen near the border. That that um, the Russians have said that the, the, only the Syrians can be near the Israeli border um, because it's not in their interest a to have the conflict escalate and b that the um, that Iran be be more influential because it does. I think, threaten uh, the role that Russia sees itself uh, playing. Iran served its purposes, and at some point it probably doesn't serve Russia's purposes, and they will be more willing to uh, uh, to counter it.
0: Um, you saw the uh, Hadar Golden's uh, family uh, came out against, and finally the court did rule that uh, before Israel, Um, releases uh, the body of any prisoner, any terrorist prisoner, they'd have to give 72-hour notice. Are you still in touch with the Golden family?
1: Of course, we're in touch with them and others. Um, We didn't give up yet on the Sultan Yaqub, even though many of them have passed away already in the interim. But we cannot forget them. And, and even if it's only to get their bodies back and see that they have proper and proper uh, burials, I mean, this is a responsibility we all bear, not just the government of Israel, but the government of Israel. You saw the reports that they even enlisted ISIS and other fighters to go and look for the bodies in Syria. I don't know if it's true, but there were reports to that effect.
0: Finally, Mr. honeline is this going to take place, the summit between North Korea and the U.S.? you think we're closer to it now?
1: I do think we're closer to it. I think it's uh, that it, it serves North Korea's purposes and they wouldn't do it otherwise. I think the isolation, the efforts, but they have their own agenda and they're very clever in manipulating the the situation. So, you know, we have to always take it with a grain of salt, but I think if if the, the talks can get back and and lead to some uh I don't know if we'll get a total denuclearization, but some progress in that area, it will certainly um, be a feather in the administration's cap, but again, it's when the president put the red lines down and said, this is it. You cross the red line, we're out. We're leaving. Yeah. Only language terrorists, dictators, and others understand is strength, and if they see consistency, if, they, if it's the unpredictability it's when we are too predictable, when, we, when they believe that we are going to be too limited in our response and that we really won't stand up for principle or red lines become pink lines and become white lines, they will take advantage of it. It's got to be a clear and decisive message, and I think Israel has successfully done that vis-a-vis Iran and, and um, the sanctions regimes against Iran, many of the other things that, that are taking place. We are seeing the worldwide impact of strength determination and clear consistent messages to them we will not tolerate it
0: oh i can't let you leave without a positive note going into sunday's parade coverage uh clay i saw this in your alert clay seals believed to have been used by the biblical prophet isaiah and king hezekiah are set to be unveiled at a june event which will be held simultaneously in jerusalem and Oklahoma via a live stream. While the seals and nearly three dozen other pieces loaned by the Antiquities Authority will be on display in Oklahoma, the archaeologist who made the discoveries, Dr. Eilat Mazar, will deliver a keynote address in Jerusalem. Yet another big piece of positive
1: historic news. And if you take that and compile just from recent weeks the amazing discoveries that have taken place, even uh, 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 something, uh, a, a folded up uh, sort of amulet that with a nail through it that was done by a Jewish gambler 2,000 years ago who, who wanted the other horses to be uh, crippled in, in a race. But the. <laughs> <laughs> which was found not, not in Israel. But uh, there are so many discoveries. And, and uh, one of the things that I want to do is to try and bring. I saw that in Israeli schools. They took the sifting project where you take the, some of the rubble that was taken off our bodies and the children themselves. Uh, see how they sift through it and they find things from uh, from uh, the base of Mikdash, from other things which we have done with my family at the Sifting Project in Jerusalem, I want to bring it here because there's nothing more concrete than when kids see the actual tangible evidence and proof, like the coins you said, like the seals that were found, with the names of Nevi with the names of, of people in Tanakh, and not one discovery, not one ever contradicts what's in Tanakh, what's in the Bible. It's such an important and powerful message, and I hope that some philanthropists will will see the light, and, and for our kids first to send to every shiva, then to every public place, that people will come and see firsthand. When the United Nations' others try to deny our connection to Jerusalem, there's no better proof because you can't argue with a rock. You can't argue with the things that they found there. You know, snail way to show that they made trellis on the their purple dye on the in the temple mount, which we didn't know. But many other things, so many amazing things. To see the tiles of the entryway to the base of mekdash the actual tiles—absolutely incredible. It's unbelievable. I don't know. Again, as you know, but we can talk about some of these discoveries maybe next week.
0: All right. Um, enjoy Sunday. Wave to me at 64th and 5th Avenue, please.
1: Uh, you'll be marching? We'll mm, be...
0: be on the side broadcasting. Uh, okay. 60, 64th and 5th. Don't just pass us by, please.
1: I don't know how far <laughs> I'll go. I, I go where my grandchildren go. and. Uh, <laughs>
0: Immediately with the excuses, Malcolm.
1: <laughs> just just find me, that's all. I'll call
0: in. <laughs> there you go. Malcolm, thank you so much for a wonderful job. Good job. We'll see you Sunday. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. When I say we'll see you Sunday to Malcolm, I say that to you as well. We'll be on Fifth Avenue. I hope you'll be on Fifth Avenue, uh, marching in the parade, viewing the parade, enjoying the parade, celebrating Israel. Unless it's a monsoon. Come on out. Bring your children and grandchildren. Air, even if the weather's not perfect, air on the side of the, I gotta be there. If it's a monsoon, I get it. You don't come out and you don't bring the strollers and all that. But come on out to Fifth Avenue and enjoy. And have your rabbis, no matter what type of congregation you're in, have them, for God's sake, announce the information about the parade. Let the congregants stop laughing about the parade and at least see that their rabbi feels is important enough and serious enough to announce it. At least that. Uh, Anyway, Friday morning, when I don't get sleep, this is what happens.